Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, just as I was up praying uh, earlier today, there's a, there's a psalm that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And that just got so on me this morning. I am always excited when we get together. It's, it, it's not just so we can get everybody in a building. There's just life that comes when we get together, when we worship together, when we fellowship together, when we get into the word together. It just does something. So be excited. I was glad. Don't wake up on Sunday morning and go, oh. Wake up on Sunday morning and go, I was glad when I realized it was Sunday because I was going to the house of the Lord. Hey, we're gonna be finishing up our series called Living Inside the Margins this morning. And the name of my lesson is Sometimes It's Okay to Lose Your Job. Sometimes it's okay to lose your job. The uh, subtitle would be We Live in the Margins So We Can Reach Those Who Are Marginalized. We Live in the Margin so we can reach those who are marginalized. Because the reason that we endeavor to live in the margins, and if you haven't heard the last two Sundays, you're not exactly sure what we're talking about, you can go to nctyler.org and you can listen to the last two messages, or even better, you can go to the Apple iTunes store and sign up for the podcast and it'll come right to you. But the reason that we endeavor to live in the margins is so that we can have a life that is in order so we can be beneficial to the kingdom. The reason that we're talking about getting finances order, getting, getting uh, our time in order, giving God our calendar and all these things is not so we can go, whoo, and sit back and kick up our feet. The reason we're talking about these things is so we can be in order, so we can be effective in the kingdom of God. Because that is the ultimate purpose. That's when we're really living inside the margins. And this morning, I wanna help you determine where are you living? Where are you? So I always have to start with a story, right? So let me ask this question. Have you ever lost a job? Have you ever lost a job and it was your fault? Have you ever been fired from a job? <laughs> I've never been fired from a job, but I probably should have been. Uh, when I was a teenager, I worked at Kmart. Anybody remember Kmart? <laughs> Blue light special. I worked at Kmart, and during the, the school year, obviously it was a part-time job, but during the football season, it was very part-time. I could only get hours on Saturday because, hold on, millennials, it used to be illegal in the state of Texas to be open on Sunday. Can you believe that? Could you believe that Walmart was closed on Sundays? Could you believe that all of the malls were closed on Sundays? Everything was closed on Sundays. So if I was gonna get any hours, I had to do it on Saturday, which meant I had to work a double shift on Saturday, 16 hours on a Saturday, the night after having played a football game. And sometimes when we were getting back late from an out of town game, it may be midnight or one o'clock before we were even pulling in. And by the time you take your gear in, and by the time you, 
You stop talking to your friends by the time you actually get in your car and go home or get in your car and go somewhere else, then go home. It could be two or three in the morning. Then I had to be at Kmart at eight o'clock. Oh, it was early and there was times I was so tired, so tired. But being a stockman, what I would do is uh, they would unload the trucks and I would take the cases and I'd put them up in the warehouse and then we would put it all out on the floor. But I had this great idea one time. We had these big cases of, of toilet paper that we would, we would line out about six deep and about four or five high and it got up to be about this high. And uh, I had this great idea that if nobody could see higher than this, they have no clue what's in the middle. So I cleaned out the middle, made myself a little kind of, kind of horseshoe there and I made myself a place to hide, a place to rest. And there was times on those Saturdays, getting around five or six o'clock, and I'd already been working all day, I was tired. And I positioned all of those cases right up under an air conditioning vent. And I would just slide those things out of the way, and I would just go rest for a while. Now, I wouldn't be in there for hours, you know, 10, or, 10 or 15 minutes, I just needed to get off my feet for a little while, until the one time I fell asleep. And... They're frantically looking for me, and I, I wake up to my name being screamed over the, the intercom, and uh, I'm pushing the cases out of the way, trying to, trying to get out, and where have you been? Oh, I've been working up in the warehouse. That's a, now, it's just a silly story, but we will tie in the, the losing of the job here in, in just a little bit. Uh, we've talked about uh, the margins in time and submitting your calendar to God so you can be who you want to be. And this morning we're gonna talk about living in the margins on purpose, with purpose, so we can be the people God has purposed us to be. All right? Well, there are two groups of people in the church. And I came up with this myself, so you can just go, ooh. Didn't steal this from anybody. Two groups of people in the church, the called and the consumed. The called and the consumed. Now let me be real direct and real honest right up front. If you are a born again child of God, if you're in a love relationship with Jesus Christ, you are called. You are called. Let me right now take that lie, tear it down, shred it up, wrap it up, throw it on the ground and jump on it a little bit. <laughs> that only the guys that stand on stage are called. That's right. This may be my calling, but it's only my part of the picture. Without your part of the picture, we're missing it. Yeah. Without your place, without your purpose, we are missing it. That's why the church in America is not really growing. It's because we put it all on the guys standing up here. Yeah. And guess what? We're not meant to do it all. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but you're called. You have a place, you have a purpose in the kingdom of God, but even good, born-again people are living outside of the margins and they will be consumed by stuff. What's the stuff? Whatever is distracting you from the purposes of God. Be a long list, could be a short list, could be something that seems good. 
And I'm not picking on anybody because I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody. Oh, he was talking about me. Don't you hate that? I, I look at everybody up here. I just like to look people in the eye. But it's amazing how when you're saying something, you just happen to look at somebody and they go, he was talking about me. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking, okay? Good things can get in the way of purpose. I don't know how many times I've heard as a pastor, oh, pastor, we can't be a part of this. We can't be there. We need family time. You See how quiet it got all of a sudden? <laughs> you do need family time. I agree, you need some family time. We've all known pastors that have worn their kids out and their kids are not serving God because they never paid attention to their kids. But guess what? Family time is not always an excuse to not do something in the kingdom. Grab those kids around the neck and take them with you. Do something for the kingdom with your kids. So it doesn't always seem like, well, I've got church stuff and I've got family stuff. How about it's all together? How about it makes sense together? So there's good stuff out there, but if that stuff is getting in the way, we are living outside of the margins. So the question is, who do we want to be? This morning, we want to decide and see, are we called or are we consumed? Are we called or are we consumed? We're going to look at uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a beautiful picture of the called. He knew his job and he did it. And he was willing to give up the job when somebody came on the scene who was supposed to take it higher. Sometimes we think, oh, God has called me to do this and I will do this forever and I must do this. And if somebody tries to take it away from me, it's mine. That's mine. No, it's kingdom. It's kingdom. Because if God has you release something to somebody, guess what? He has another place for you. He has something else for you to do. So using the ministry of John the Baptist, let's look at... uh, Three places where the called live within the margins. You ready? We're going to be in John chapter 1. If you want to follow along, John chapter 1, John chapter 3, we'll flip between those couple other scriptures, but the main stuff's going to come out of John chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, it's going to be on the screens anyway because we have an awesome tech team back there. Thank you, tech team. Okay, the first place where the called must live within the margins, the called live in the margins of their calling. John chapter one, verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer. John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice. If you'd like to draw lines in your Bible underneath that, underline that right there. I am a voice. Guess what? You are a voice. 
you are a voice. He said, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. So here's the first place that the called live within their margins. They know who they are. They know who they are. Because John knew who he was, he didn't have to try to be anybody else. He didn't have to try to be anything else. Would it be insanely boring of God to make us all alike? Yeah? John didn't have to be anything. They're they're asking him, hey, are you the Messiah? No. Are you a prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Who are you? I am. I am a voice. I know exactly who I am. He said, I am a voice. I know exactly who I am. The called know who they are. I don't have to try to be anything else. I love Sam Fisher with everything that's inside of me. He is the greatest pastor I have ever been around in my life, but I am not him. And I don't have to be him. I don't have to try to be like him. Do I learn things from him? Yes. A lot of it, not what to do, but uh, I'm kidding. But I don't have to be Sam Fisher. We find ourselves trying to be like somebody when God didn't call you to be like somebody. He called you to be you. People are like, oh, if I could just be like. Well, if you were just like, we wouldn't need you. Because we don't need two of them. We need one of them and one of you. Be you. The consumed are increasingly find their identity in what they do and accomplish, not who they are. See, John knew who he was. He didn't have to do things to know who he was. He knew he was a voice. And because he knew who he was, he did what he was supposed to do. But see, the consumed do things and then they find their identity in the things that they're doing instead of who they are. Lisa and I were outside of uh, the church realm for a few years. Got hurt in a, a ministry situation. And while we were outside of the church, God, in his irritatingly way, continued to talk to me. And there was a day that I was driving up Broadway. We passed a church. I usually drive by and, or at churches during that time. Driving by a church and the Lord just speaks up in my heart. He says, if you went in that church, what would you be? Who would you be? I, I don't know, Lord. A guest, a visitor. What are you wanting from me? I don't know. The Lord said, you would be a pastor. And just as we passed that church, we come up on a strip shopping center and the Lord said, if you went in that store... Who would you be? A pastor. Because my calling as a pastor is who I am. It's not what I do. It's not position. It's not title. If I didn't have the title, if I didn't have the platform, I'd still be a pastor because it's who God created me to be. Be who you were created to be. Second thing is the call... The called know who they aren't. They know who they are, they know who they aren't. John could have been seduced by the crowds. He could have been seduced by the crowds. 
but he wasn't. He lived within the margins of his calling. He lived within the margins of his calling. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't recognize your calling, you're already living outside the margins. If you don't recognize who you are and who God has called you to be, you're already outside the margins. But the solution, commit to finding, pursuing, and growing in your calling. And if you don't know what that looks like, we wanna help you. Because I'm telling you right now, the calling of this church is to identify giftings. The calling of this church is to identify and help you identify who you are in Christ, what you've been purposed and called to be, and then help you get there. So do not sit and go, I don't know who I am. I don't know what God wants me to do. Now we can't, we're not, we're not fortune tellers or anything weird like that. We're not gonna say, well, you need to go here, go do this, go do this, go. But who you are and how you and the Lord walk that out, that's between you and him. But we can help you identify who you are. What place of ministry have you been called to? Because remember, you're called to ministry. You're called to ministry. Take this finger, left or right, doesn't matter. Point it in your chest. Say, you're called to ministry. Do you believe that? Yeah, some of you don't believe it. You're called to ministry. As soon as I said, take this finger, some of you shoved it right up your nose. <laughs> You're called to ministry. All right. The next, the next thing that we see from the ministry of John the Baptist is that the called steward their calling. The called steward their calling. In John 1, verse 35, says the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. That almost sounds like a slap in the face, doesn't it? That almost sounds like Jesus took something away from John the Baptist, unless you understand what stewardship means. Amen. To steward means to manage something for someone else. To manage someone's affairs, to manage someone's property for them. See, the call to understand, it's not mine. Those disciples weren't John's. They were God's. The called know that everything in life belongs to God. Everything in life belongs to God. The consumed, they hold back things. Well, you can't have this, Lord. You can't have that part of my life. You can't have that part of my heart. You can't have this hurt because I like to hurt. You know, some people find their identity in their hurt in their wounding. Lord, if I gave that to you, I don't know who I would be. You know, there's so many people that go around in life and that is their identity as a hurt, wounded person. But everything in this life, our triumphs and our destruction belong to God. And we give them 
to God because he knows what to do with them. We must realize that we are only managing our time, our finances, and our giftings on God's behalf. And when we begin to understand that, we stop making excuses. We're good at making excuses, aren't we? Excuse why? Why what? What are you making an excuse for? Why I can't be free? Why I can't serve? Why I can't support the church financially? Why I'm not in a life group? Whatever it is. What are you making an excuse for? If you're making an excuse, you're living outside the margins. You getting this? <laughs> but then there's the deeper things. What are you making an excuse for when God's called you to write, write a book? God's called you to write music. God's called you to teach, prophesy, pray, whatever it is. Stop making excuses. When we stop making excuses, then God can use us. But as long as we make an excuse, I don't have time, well, get your time within the margins, and then God can use you for the kingdom. Well, I don't have money. Get your money within the margins. Do what God says biblically, and you will never be without. That's God's promise. Let's be honest. We just don't trust God. And when we don't trust God, we're living as consumed, not as called. Okay? No stones being thrown yet. John the Baptist did not get upset when his disciples left. In fact, he willingly stepped out of the spotlight when it was the time for someone else's calling to take center stage. What does that tell us? Number one, we weren't meant to do it all. You know what? I can't be, Pastor Sam can't be, none of you can be. We're not all called to be the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. But we still need them, right? So if the guy on stage can't be all of them, what does that tell us? that we need someone else to step up and be. We need other people to engage in their ministry so that we can have what God wants us to have. Because just because there are some men that say, well, there's no such thing as apostles and prophets anymore. Just because men say that doesn't mean God ever said that. In fact, if you go there in Ephesians chapter four and you read that, Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, God, saying, God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for what? For the perfecting of the saints until we all come into the unity of the faith. You can look around and tell we're not in unity, right? So the callings haven't stopped. The giftings haven't stopped. We just stopped honoring them. Because we've got to have it. I'm a pastor. 
But you know what? As a pastor, you're going to get loved on. You're going to get taught. But if we don't have that prophetic word, if we don't have that direction from God, we're missing something. If we don't have the apostle who has the, the, the governmental ability to put things in order, we're missing something. If we don't have the evangelist that stirs us for the lost, that goes out and leads us, we're missing something. Don't let me leave out the teacher because somebody's going to come up. You didn't say teacher. <laughs> if we don't have teachers that are so convinced that the word of God is our, our guide for everything that can just squeeze the marrow out of it. I love good teachers because they can get 10 steps out of Jesus wept. And we need it. We need it. We need it. But humility is a must. We have, to be, we have to be humble about what we're doing. Because if we're humble, guess what? The, the, the pastor, even though we, we in America have, have the largest platform, we're going to be humble enough to know that we need. That we need. And then when, when we step into some things, you ever seen somebody claim to be the reason something happened? People get healed. It was me. I prayed. I'm anointed. See, the called know that it's not them. See, the, the consumed, they believe it's because of them. But the called know that it's in spite of us. God uses us and moves through us. And when we see God move, and we've seen some great things, we've seen people saved and healed and set free. And we go, God, you are so awesome. You are so great. Thank you for moving. Thank you for moving, Lord. Instead of putting up a billboard saying, man of God in town. I was watching a documentary not too long ago about bears. Yes, I'm that nerdy. <laughs> and in one scene, there's a baby bear. And it was the perfect angle for this shot because the little baby bear kind of sat on this, on this little ridge. And a, a cougar saw the baby bear and started creeping up on him. And the little baby bear saw the cougar and he stands up on his little back legs and he goes, <laughs> didn't phase the cougar. The cougar's stalking. <laughs> and the cougar's moving up then all of a sudden, just over this ridge that you couldn't see before, stands up Mama Bear. Mama Bear didn't have to say anything. Mama Bear just stood up, looked down at that cougar, and that cougar took off. Baby Bear still going. <laughs> Baby Bear was quite sure it was because of him. But Mama Bear knew the truth. And that's the way that we've got to be. Yes, God comes up behind us. Sometimes we're facing the enemy and we're going, eh. 
And the enemy might not be paying us any attention because if we're doing it in our own strength, he doesn't care. But you know what? Our big brother stands up behind us. He doesn't have to say a thing. And the enemy sees him, he goes, okay. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. So here's, here's, here's another solution for you. If you're struggling to manage your time, your finances, your giftings, ask for help. Ask for help. Why? Because it is somebody else's calling to help you. If you're not asking for help, you're keeping somebody else from their calling as well. So ask for help. Here's the third and last thing that we can get from the ministry of John the Baptist. The called live within the margins purposefully. The called live within the margins purposefully. John 3, verse 30. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. That's totally against human nature, isn't it? Human nature is I must get, I must be, I must have. Yet the character of God says, I've got to be less so God can be more. It takes courage to mentor somebody and then allow your student to move ahead of you. But shouldn't that be the goal? I'm telling you, it's the goal around here. We want this next generation to go higher than we've gone. We want them to know God in greater ways than we've ever known him. We want to see revival and renewal like it's never been. And it's not our job to make that happen. It's our job to pour the kingdom into the young people. And let them take it higher than we ever thought it could go. Takes courage to mentor and let your student move ahead of you. Takes courage to forgive and not to expect, and I'm sorry. It takes courage to give up your dream for God's dreams. Think of Abraham. All Abraham wanted to be was the father of one boy. That's all he wanted. When he went to God, he said, I don't have an heir. I don't have somebody that can inherit all of my stuff. All he wanted was a son. But God said, I want to make you the father of nations. When we connect with God's dream, usually our dream gets fulfilled too. He got the son, but he also became the father of nations. So give up your dream for God's dream because your dream is so small. You may think it's big, but it is so small. That's why Paul says God always does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think. I can think big. Can you think big? I can think big. A few weeks ago, I had a prophet pull me aside. Never even met this man. Had, had lunch with him. And he pulled me aside and said, God says, think bigger. Dream bigger. Because God's dreams are always bigger 
than our dreams. Philippians 3, verse 8 and 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. I have discounted everything else, counting it as garbage. Now, Paul was a very learned man. He cast it all aside for Jesus. He threw away all of his dreams of, of, of being the, the chief Christian killer for Jesus. He threw away everything and counted it as garbage so I could gain Christ and become one with him. Someone once said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Can you read that one again? Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. You see, the called know that fear will hold them back from destiny. While the consumed have a life pattern of living in fear. Always being held back. Always having an excuse. And never really stepping into what God has called them to be. And we just need to judge that God's promises are more important than my fear. If you're struggling with fear of any kind, not just terror, but fear of relationships, fear of the past, you know, your past can hold you back more than just about anything else. You don't know what I've done. I don't care what you have done because the blood of Jesus is strong enough for whatever you've done. Your past does not define who you are. Your past does not get to interpret God's promises for you unless you let it. Paul said, I forget about the past and I press on. I forget about the past and I press on. So if you're struggling with any type of fear, guess what? This is the best time next Saturday. There is a Kairos event. Where are the Broadfields? They should be shouting. Yeah, you're not, you're, you're not representing very well. <laughs> next Saturday, right in this very place, we are having a Kairos event. And it's all about getting you free from whatever it is that's holding you back. But if you miss the one Saturday, don't get under condemnation because God has Kairos moments with his kids all the time. All right. Not only do we live, does living purposely require courage, but living purposefully also requires commitment. Back in Philippians 3, verse 12 and 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or have already reached perfection, but I press on 
to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. You want to know the one thing that Paul focused on? Paul could leave you one big clue of how to live a called life. He said, I focus on this one thing, one thing, forgetting the past. There we go again, forget the past, forget about it. Stop allowing it to tell you who you are. Forget the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead. I forget what's behind me. I look only to what's in front of me and I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I totally understand it's a lot easier said than done. Okay, maybe it's him. There you go. Nobody tells me anything. And half of you are going, I have no clue what he's doing. I, w I was looking for my musician because you know we can't end a service without music. It's in the Bible somewhere. You can't just pray and release people. You have to have music. Thank you, musician. Thank you. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that living a Jesus life is always easy but it's always worth it. I've never found a time through all the ups and downs, through all the, the bumps and bruises, through all of the warfare, I've never found a time when the end result was not worth it. Because God is always, always faithful to his promises. Always. So let's just ask ourselves this question. Do I live consumed by stress? worry, fear, loneliness, selfishness? When the truth is that you're called to live as a son and daughter in the kingdom of God. You were called to be about your father's business. Unfortunately, many well-meaning Christians never even scratch the surface of their destiny because they don't live in the margins. Will you? Will you live within the margins knowing that God's going to relieve the stress, relieve the worry, take away the loneliness? And will you do it for somebody else? Will you do it for those who have not connected with the Lord yet or don't know how to do it yet? Will you do it? 
Are you ready to give up your job of doing it yourself, struggling, worrying, and living stressed, overextended in time and money? This morning, you can give it to God and commit to do whatever it takes to live a call to life. Let's pray.